Hello and welcome to Evergreen Church Sermon Podcasts. Tune in every week for our sermon series on prayer. Our second episode officially begins the sermon series about David's Prayer Journal. Episode 2, David's Prayer Journal. Enemies, all know. Welcome to God's house on this foggy morning. <laughs> it's foggy now when I got here really early this morning. Hey, I want to start with a, with a wonderful passage um, taken from Philippians chapter 3. Paul's writing, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I just I just picture us together um, uh, it's been a few years ago now since Brenda and I did the rock and roll half marathon where we where we walk it. We've done it a couple different times. But you get this whole mass of people moving in the same direction. And people are encouraging each other. People that you, you've never seen before. And um, uh, one of the things that World Vision encourages you to do is put your name on your back so that as people uh, come by, they can, they can encourage you and you can encourage other people. And that's kind of what I see happening on, on Sunday morning when we get together. We're here to worship the Lord absolutely positively, but it's also a time where we get to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ. Because sometimes you are one that's doing really well and someone else has had a really lousy week. And and your faith or my faith uh, can encourage them. And other times we're the ones that it's maybe a little bit down and didn't have a good week. And we're with brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can receive encouragement from them. And so we're in this together, pressing on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so that is just so good. So welcome this morning. Welcome to those of you who are online as well. So let's bow together and let's. Uh, Let's pray as we're coming into the Lord's presence. Father, it'd be great if we could picture right now what it was like for the Israelites when they emerged from the Red Sea. We were just talking about that in our, in our class before worship. That it probably would have been pretty weird being there with the water on both sides and big walls. But to see the other end and to come out on the other side and to have experienced the hand of God. Lord, we've been having weeks this week, and sometimes someone has a good week and someone has a, has a challenging week, but we come together and we come through that week and we come and we praise you for who you are, that you've been with us as individuals and as a congregation during this past week, and we come to worship and praise you. And, and so we, we know, Lord, that it's not by anything that we've done that we receive uh, your blessings. Rather, you give them to us, and we just thank you for that. And so we praise you now. We worship you now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, we are um, going to be talking about prayer. We started last week, and for the next, I believe it's six weeks, 
Um, we're going to be actually looking specifically at the book of Psalms and uh, some of the prayers that are in there, um, uh, calling it this, this series, uh, David's Prayer Journal, uh, where uh, he has written um, these things down, prayers down, because of things that he himself experienced. And so let's pray as we come to our first installment of this from Psalm 59. Let's pray. Father, as, as we take a look at this psalm, we're going to read it, we're going to hear some background about it, and I want, Father, you'd show us how this can apply to us in our lives. Maybe we don't need it today, but there could come a time when this needs to be in our prayer toolbox that we can use. And so cause this psalm to come alive. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. From Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil. And save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold... They lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me for no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord. For no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord God of hosts, or God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back like howling dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, billowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for who, they think, will hear us. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. Oh, my strength, I will watch for you, for you, O God, are my fortress. My God in his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power and bring them down. O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouths and the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. For the cursing and lies that they utter, consume them with wrath, consume them till they are no more that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. Each evening, they come back, like howling dogs prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress, a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh my God, I will sing praise to you, for you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Did you feel the passion in those words? The declarations that he made, the calling out, um, David faced many trials, some of them self-inflicted. And we'll, we'll look at at least one of those. Some of them, 
like this one, not self-inflicted. Things that he faced, things that he was going to face again. And the Psalms, and Psalms like this, have sustained God's people from the time of David all the way to today. I think that's part of the reason why the Psalms are so beloved by people is because no matter what we're going through, no matter what emotion we have, they speak to us. They, they can speak to us. For this particular psalm, it's important to know the setting, the background. So here's the picture. Saul is king, and David is playing the lyre. Um, the lyre was actually a forerunner to a guitar. A lyre had two necks, and it had strings that were strung, and um, David was quite the musician. He was very gifted in many things, and he was playing, and Saul was overcome with jealousy, and so he, he, he took a spear, and he, he threw it at David. And, and here's what the text says, um, and there was war again reading glasses time. And David went out and fought the Philistines and struck them with a great blow so that they fled before him. And then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sought in his house with spear in hand. And David was playing the lyre. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. In other words, he threw it as hard as he could but he eluded Saul, so, it's, so he stuck the spear into the wall. So I, I picture that spear, vibrating like that because it hit the wall, and David fled and escaped. And it goes on, it says that Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, that he might kill him in the morning, and David fled. So David fled out into the Judean wilderness. And the Judean wilderness is not like what I had pictured wilderness for the longest period of time. When I think of wilderness, I think of the wilderness areas. I, my dad worked for the Forest Service, and there's been a lot of wilderness areas. I've hiked in wilderness areas, areas, and normally they're kind of untouched by man, beautiful trees, all that. No, the Judean wilderness is stark. Think of the badlands of South Dakota multiplied by a hundred in terms of ruggedness, steepness, dry, not many trees, not a good place to be. But if you needed to hide from someone, that would be an okay place to hide. Um, uh, as people had to travel through the Judean wilderness to get down to Jericho, that was one of the most robbed. People were more robbed on that road, on that, they called it a road. It was probably no wider than that aisleway right there, maybe a little bit more so a little cart could go on it. You very seldom did it by yourself because the chance of you getting robbed was, was really high. So the wilderness was not a good place. Saul, I mean, so David fled to the wilderness and Saul sends his men and his men follow him and they hunt David in the wilderness. At times he, he's looking and is, is he, he's feeling surrounded. It's like when I, when I go to bed at night, are they going to try to sneak in and get me? So I, I picture him out there, and just just the it's, it would be frantic trying to stay alive out there. Most of us don't have enemies that are looking to try to pin you or me uh, to the wall, literally with a spear. 
That's not the way most of us are. However, we have people here who have experienced that. Anybody who served in the military and has served during times of conflict, they know kind of what that's like. And for those of us who have not been in the military, we don't know what that's like. Right now, I don't think that we have anybody that is part of our church that is still alive from World War II. There's not very many of those folks still around. But Korea, Vietnam, the Middle East and all of its, the way that it's been in Afghanistan and other places where our military have been, where we have people that are from our church family, from our own families, who felt as though that there was someone out there trying to kill them because there was. And wondering, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? I remember um, uh, um, Greg and Janine, uh, who moved down to Texas. Hi, Greg and Janine. They watch us every week. Um, he talked about being over in Vietnam. And um, we don't even need to go into all that stuff. But for my dad, he was in Korea. Uh, when the big offensive, when the Chinese were trying to overrun everything. Uh, Dad was mainly a uh, person who purified water. That was what his job was. But when it wasn't that, it was to help feed machine gun ammo to a machine gun. And the Chinese were coming so fast that as fast as they could, when they ran out of, of ammo, they'd have a new one in because they would be dead if they didn't. And the bodies piled up so much, they had to keep lifting the, the machine gun up and put more sandbags underneath it to shoot over the dead bodies that were in front of them. We have people in our congregation that have experienced that kind of thing, having enemies running right down your throat or shooting at you or lobbing grenades or, or warheads or any of those kinds of things. So they know what this is like. Most of us don't. Most of us have no clue what it's like. However, there could come a time when you were in that situation. There could come a time when something happens near you or around you. When you're in a grocery store, when something happens, or in a mall, when something's happening, and you're going to feel as though the enemy is there, and you know who they are, but they're, they're shooting and bullets are flying. So this psalm can be applicable to us and especially carry it with us so that we can apply it if and when that time comes. There are a couple things in here that David said that, that really, really uh, stand out. The first thing is God as our strength. He says this a couple times in verse 9. Oh, my strength. I will watch for you. At the end of it, I will sing of your strength. I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love. So God's strength is one thing. We're going to talk about it in just a second. And he, and twice or three times, he says that you are my refuge. Oh, my strength, I will watch for you. For you, oh God, are my fortress, are my fortress. Then near the end, he says, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the city of my distress. 
O my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O God, are my fortress. I want to talk about God as our strength. There's a saying that goes like this. God is strongest when I am weakest. God is strongest when you are weakest. Now, what does that mean? It's too easy for us as people to rely on our own strength. So when I think I'm strong, it means I can, I can do stuff. I, I can handle this. I am strong enough to handle this. And when we do that, we tend not to look to God and to his strength because I can handle this. But when we're weak, when we feel totally incapable, like David was out in the wilderness being hunted by these guys, he needed God to be his strength because there's not a lot of food out there, there's minimal water out there, and people are after him. He probably wasn't getting a whole lot of sleep. He's probably weary. God be my strength. Now, there's another place, and it's in Second uh, Kings chapter 6. Uh, so Elisha and his servant are camping out, and there's a big army that's just down below them, and um, man, Elijah, he's just sleeping. And, and the servant gets out, and he goes out, and he looks, and he's like, we're going to die. We're going to die. And Elijah gets out, and, hey, what's, what's, your, what's your problem? We're going to die. And God goes, and then Elijah says, Lord, open his eyes. And he opened his eyes, and he saw they were totally surrounded on the hills with horses and chariots of fire ready to attack and to deliver. These are the armies of God, to deliver and to save him. And that's exactly what God did. Elisha knew God's strength. Elisha's servant did not. He needed to see the strength of God, and God allowed him to see it. When Joshua and the Israelites were going, they had to overthrow Jericho, and God says, all you need to do is walk around it. I'll take care of the battle. Walked around it all those times, and you know the story, the walls come tumbling down. God has tremendous strength. God, be our strength. Don't give me more strength. Be my strength. What kind of strength? Encouragement. God, be my strength. Lead me. And yes, God, give me strength, even physical strength. You and I need to pray and know that God is my strength. It's easy for us to talk about our. No, you need to know he's my strength so that when you need that strength, you can cry out to him. Not Lance's strength, not Evergreen's strength, but my strength. God as my strength. Second thing, God is my refuge. Um, we don't have refuge in the way that they had it back then. The typical city, when we talk about city, man, the city is going to be way smaller than Eatonville, generally. But anyhow, they're going to have 
a big wall around this, what it would be their central area This can be there, and that wall is there for protection. And the people of that quote-unquote town or city, they couldn't all live inside of the, those walls. The same thing would be over in Europe. If you travel over in Europe, you'll see all those castles and stuff. The typical person didn't live inside the wall. But when the enemy came, you fled to the refuge, which was that city that had a wall around it. If you've been going through the, um, the one year through the Bible that we're doing, we're reading in, uh, in Ezra and Nehemiah, and um, where we're at right now is the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. And they had enemies around, and as they're working on um, on rebuilding the wall. At first, the enemies were just going, that's no big deal. They're, they're never going to do it. It says that they got the wall about this high. And about that time, the, the enemies around them was going, okay, we got we to bring this to a close. And so what did they end up doing? They worked with the spear in one hand or a weapon in one hand, and they worked with the other hand. And while some of the people were sleeping, which wasn't very often, the others were guarding until they could get the wall built. They had to have the wall built, so they had a place of refuge. We don't have cities of refuge anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if there was some place that had a, like a, an impenetrable force field moat that, uh, that we could, uh, I use that specifically because my good friend's over this way, um, but wouldn't it be nice if, if when things were bad, the, the drawbridge flopped down and we could just go in and then all of a sudden we'd be protected? because the, we were in the city of refuge. Well, guess what? Jesus is our city of refuge. Come to me who are weak and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, he, he, he wants us to be there, and when it's a spiritual attack, he has given us spiritual armor that is, our, 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 is there to protect us. Call out to the Lord to be your refuge when you don't know what to do. Call out to the Lord to be your refuge in times of trouble. Call out to the Lord to be in times of your refuge when you are under attack. I'm not going to talk much about this, but oftentimes we think of the enemy as out there. But it's been said that uh, you're my biggest enemy is ourselves. And, and there are times when I think that that's true. And so the same thing applies to when you're dealing with stuff in you that appears to be like an enemy. When you, sometimes people just, we get that way where we just, we just tear ourselves down and, and, and don't know what to do. The same thing applies. Call out to God that, that Jesus would be your strength in that time. You'd experience God's presence, that he would be your refuge to protect you even from you. And he will, and he will. Jesus had some additional words as it relates to enemies. So, so we get the one side of it here from, from Psalm 59. But in Matthew 5, Jesus says this, Pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Now, it's tempting to, to pray that your enemies die <laughs> or that God smite them or do something like that, but that wasn't what Jesus was talking about. First off, he prayed 
that his enemies would be forgiven, and they were the ones who were literally driving the spikes into his hands. Father, forgive them, for they know what, know what they're doing. Forgive your enemies. Pray for forgiveness for them, that God would forgive them. Pray God's blessing on them. Have you ever thought about that? Pray that God blesses your enemy. Want them to see Jesus. You know what happens when we pray for people? It changes the way we look at them. That, that someone that we might think of as, as an enemy or find out that maybe isn't an enemy at all. So um, pray for our enemies. And then, um, then finally, I just want to um, conclude it with a little practical aside. People who disagree with you are not your enemy. Right now on the news, and leaders of various different factions in our country want us to think of the other side as our enemy. That is not biblical. That is not what Christ calls us to do. And I just want us to go to war against that enemy, those enemies. The things that unite us in this country are so much greater than the things that divide us. The enemy is not the person from whether you're this group or that group or this group or that group or this group or that group. The enemy there is the ones that are stirring the pot to try to get you and me to think that our fellow citizens are our enemies. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to be the ones that see the real enemy. I think Satan's behind that. And, and, and it has impacted churches, it has impacted everything. And we just need to see the real enemy that's there. And stop making enemies that aren't our enemies. That person just disagrees with me. I'm not always right. You're not always right. In fact, maybe a lot of times I'm wrong, and maybe a lot of times you're wrong. Let's make sure we understand who the enemies really are, and they start with one enemy, and that's Satan. And we all need to be involved in that war and focus energy there to fight that spiritual war because it says we go against principalities and powers of the dark heavenly realm of this world is what it said, but it was angels and stuff like that. Let's fight the spiritual battles. And when you feel in a spiritual battle that you don't know what to do, remember, Jesus is my strength. I'm not my strength. He is my strength. And he is the refuge when I'm under attack. I just want us to remember all that. I like to pray for us as we um, talk a little bit. We've been talking about uh, what it's like to be among enemies and be sought by enemies. And we need wisdom on how to, 
how to deal with that. So as we get ready, before we pray, here's the last song we're going to sing. It's called In the Name. Our God is strong in battle. Our God can never fail. Through him, all chains are broken. In him, the sick are healed. In the name of Jesus, giants are defeated. Every single mountain has to move. You're faithful to your promise. You finish what you started. There is none as powerful you as you. We see the power of heaven setting the captives free. We are the church awakened, singing in victory. Be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. We lift the sound of your great name. Let's back again. Let's pray. Father, for those in our congregation and those who are watching online, there are some of those people who have been in battle and they know what it's like and some of them are still struggling with PTSD from having seen the things that they've seen and experienced the things that they've experienced and they know how horrible it is to have enemies that are trying to kill you. And I just pray that you'd be with anybody that's here or watching that um, has experienced those kinds of horrors of life and that you'd be with them and that you would be their strength and that you would be their refuge. For those of us that have not experienced that, there are times in maybe in the present or maybe in the future that we're going to need to um, know what it's like to be in battle. Someone or something is going to be after us and we would pray that we would remember that you are my strength. You are my strength. I don't have that strength. That's you, Lord Jesus. And you are my refuge. Make it personal. You are my refuge. I can run to you. And then you will be there and you'll provide that refuge for me. Father, I pray that you would remind us of this in the times when we need it. As I like to say, it'd be something in my toolbox, my prayer toolbox I'm carrying with me. They'll be there to be used at a moment's notice because you, you are trustworthy and you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. Help us to wisely see who the enemy is. I pray for our country that we would recognize the true enemy. Yes, we've got divisions and we've got differences, but we're not enemies. Lord, help us to fight a spiritual battle in this country so that we can recognize you, Lord Jesus, are king. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week with the Lord. Next week, we will continue with David's prayer journal. Thank you for joining us today.